0: I asked for a new boob because I breastfed you, breastfed your sister, and your brother. And you guys dragged my breasts to the mud. So I want to have a boob job. And you know what? You all are going to pay for it. So much is happening right now in the world. What, your, your breasts are at the bottom of my list. Welcome back to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Cara Berry, our Friday Housewives edition. Um, I feel like this is the last time I'm going to be talking about Potomac and Salt Lake for the year. Yeah, I think it is because next Friday, instead of our regularly scheduled Housewives, because they won't be airing. I'm going to be talking about the latest episode of, no, the latest season, rather, of Real Housewives of Miami. Um, yeah, I think that's going to be a good time to talk about our girls. Ooh, it'll just be like a light chat, you know, just just quickly go through the things that are going on. Maybe I'll, I'll get into them later. I really, honestly, like you know, just between us. If they didn't drop on Thursdays, I would really probably replace Salt Lake with Miami, but I can't. Oh, duh. See, I should not like think these things through on Mike, but here I am. You know, we're all on this together. It's fine. Um, maybe, definitely, actually, I'll probably put Miami in Monday's episode since Winter House is over. uh, ah, easy peasy. There you go. There you go. Um, Let's get into what happened this week, starting with Potomac. Uh, Oh my God, by the way, by the way, I've already talked about this once this week, but Ashley and Luke keep hanging out with each other and I keep loving it more and more. I do. Again, like I said with Maya, don't know what they're doing. Don't know if this is real. Don't know if I'm on sure ground here, if I'm on like a solid, uh, you know, lake of ice to put it in terms that luke understands i don't know or if we're on shaky ground here but i'm loving it i'm really loving it every picture oh i can't <laughs> and i hope you guys are on the ride i feel like you know not to pat myself on the back but i feel like i stand them pretty early and now people are hopping on the wave but you know that's fine that's fine because i need all our strongest soldiers to make this happen i really do can you imagine <laughs> And Robin uh, asks a question that we're all wondering. Okay, so is this your boyfriend or not? I don't think we've gotten a response from, from Ashley so far, but I will be checking Instagram periodically to see if there are any updates as we record. Fear not, fear not. Um, so let's get into Potomac. <clears throat> this episode, great. But I just, I have a lot of question marks around my head right now. You know, I, I just have so many questions. So... We really start with Karen going over to Giselle's house. Uh, You know, we're going to look at the West Wing, all of the new developments, all of the grass that has been um, replacing the large uh, tracts of dirt that we experienced last year when, you know, we had their uh, reasonably shady live show in her front yard, in the dirt, in the dirt. So, um, things have improved, I guess. I just don't understand. Can we can we put something on the West Wing? You know, Giselle refers to her part of the home as the West Wing. A producer asked Karen if she could say anything nice at all, anything nice at all about the house, and she's like, "You know, I really like the chandelier in the entryway." Then she kind of sits there and she's like, "God, I wish I had anything else to say that was nice." Jesus couldn't think of one i just want her to like make the west wing to go back to my point i want her to like put a different facade on the west wing so that it makes sense like somebody said was it karen who said it looks like a like a um like a monopoly house tacked onto a real house and that's exactly right it looks wild and i don't see why she doesn't see that what are we doing here forget the outdoor movie theater I mean, it's not, Maryland is cold most of the year anyway. Forget that. Put it, I mean, even stucco, even stucco would be better. You know what it looks like? It looks like the first house that you moved into after you graduated college, or like maybe when you were 20, like maybe when you were a junior, and then it's like attached to your grandma's house. It just doesn't make sense to me. So they're catching up on, you know, post-Miami stuff, where Karen is with her friendship with Mia, which gives Giselle uh, an opening to talk about Jacqueline and Mia's relationship and how Mia got tipsy, spilled the beans about Jacqueline, um, fucking one of her ex-boyfriends. And now, because of this, in Giselle's mind, if there were past situations where Mia and Jacqueline, you know, between them, does that mean that it's currently happening now? And is Gordon involved? Karen's trying to hide. She's trying to hide behind one of her curls of her wig. She is not trying to hear this. And in a confessional, she gets it completely right. Mia, you open your mouth one too many times. You uh, said it. anything in front of Giselle. You fucked up, girl. And now you're gonna have to do damage control because Giselle's gonna tell everybody your whole business. Here's the first question, Mark. Why are we talking about any of this? Like, I'm of two minds, and I think we all are of this, right? One, all of the questions that Giselle was asking, Robin asking, do you guys get it on a couple episodes ago? All of these are invasive questions. And doubly so from Giselle, who keeps her business very close to her chest, her probably, you know, fuchsia polyester, uh, Adorned chest. And I, the fact that she gets like carte blanche to get all up into the dirty details of everybody. And also, she makes these very weird conspiracy theories. Like, she was the one who said, Did Wendy get her titties done because she's feeling insecure because Eddie cheated on her because it happened on like reality blurb? No shade. But like, she is the one who lets her mind go to these wild conclusions. And then she gets other people wrapped up into them, and now we're having these conversations as though what Giselle's saying makes sense, and it doesn't like in the real world, if your friend was like, "Yo, I heard you hooked up with uh your friend ten years ago, fifteen years ago, are you guys still doing it and are you is he fucking your is she fucking your husband what what that's a weird question like I would never ask my friend <laughs> like that's not normal. Like, on what planet does Giselle deserve this information? And also, you just, like, made shit up out of thin air. It's wild. But, okay, my other mind, and I think we're all of the other mind here, that Mia and Jacqueline keep towing the line and making it seem like something's going on with them and being very elusive and, oh, I don't know. Every time somebody asks a question, they just don't want to say yes or no. And so it's fair to have people wonder, I guess, but it's also technically not their business. Not that I, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, should be talking about, you know, when or we should or should not have scruples, I guess. But I feel pretty entitled in this one. So then we cut to Wendy, who is at the hospital. It's five o'clock in the morning. Apparently she has a nine centimeter large kidney stone that clearly cannot be passed naturally through the body. So she has to get it surgically removed. I don't know from this. Okay, like I've never broken a bone. I've never had to be in the hospital. I don't, this is wild. Like the Oh, it sounds so painful. I can't imagine that just like, what is it doing? Just floating there in your body? in Like in the kidney? And then, oh, it just seems so painful. Like I've seen pictures of them and they look so scary. And it's really the only time I feel bad for men. Because how is that coming out of your dick, bro? Ooh. So yeah, it seems like a very scary situation. But my question is, at what point are we taking her Christian Dior purse? Because i they were wheeling her into the o r and it was just sitting there, I'm like, does she keep it does Eddie take it what' what what's the protocol with the christian diorpers? Do you get to keep it if it's luxury like as if if it was like a never mind Ashley's only real segment by her own this episode was, I don't know, her nanny and Dean go over to Concrete City and she announces that Michael has found her a house. It's five bedrooms, big backyard. She's going to check it out. And her dumbass, excuse me, like, you know, and I was just like praising her relationship, right? But her dumbass says, I don't really know what the protocol is. Like, uh, uh, Michael and I are so financially intertwined with each other. So if he finds me this house, does it mean that he gets to spend the night there as a thank you? No. Was your daddy spending the night with Shirley? No, he wasn't. What a question. Giselle and Robin go to the venue a couple days before their first actual, not in the dirt, reasonably shady live show. And they're going through the numbers. And I love this. I love this. A few of you guys over the years asked me if I would ever do a live show. Now seeing this episode? No. <laughs> That's going to be a no for me, dog. Because if I saw all those empty seats, like, I just feel like, I don't know. I don't have much of an ego, but whatever is left of it, I think would be easily crushed by seeing, you know, and the, the scarcity of people in the audience that night. But, you know, God bless them for trying, truly. Um, at that point, as they're doing a walkthrough, they need to sell about 89 more tickets Robin says because they don't have any sponsors or anything like that, if they're all in she and Ro- uh, Giselle, ten grand into this situation. I don't have ten grand to put into a venue. What? Do you have to do that? <laughs> ten thousand? Oh no. Somehow Robin has managed to wrangle Juan to go on stage, first of all, to go to the event at all on camera and also to go on stage and speak into a microphone miracles they never cease and we all need to be reminded of that Um, however he does try to wriggle his way out of it because Robin's like yeah I I don't know I mean he's coming but he also did say like is that still happening so I think he's coming though don't worry about it so everybody's got questions about if Or specifically when this wedding is happening. So Giselle says, you know, listen, my feelings were a little hurt finding out that I wasn't invited to your wedding. However, ironically enough, I just happen to have my calendar app open. So if you've changed your mind at the last minute, you know, I'm free. So if you just want to give me a date, I can put it in there. Robin says, more of the same. Same thing she's always been saying. Giselle says in a confessional... Well, they've been engaged, what, three or four years now? It's It's been two. The listeners, it's been two years, but, you know, nevertheless. She's, her point is still right, that it's been a while. And uh, what's going on, girl? What's going on? Robin says she needs to talk to Juan about the prenup, which we see a little bit later. Before that, Candace is in a full red Telfar outfit, on the ground, doing crunches, uh, backstage for her. Uh, insecure music video. Dorothy's there. Miss Dorothy's watching her from the couch and goes, oh, are you getting in shape? Okay. (laughs) Candace says in a confessional, listen, I want my mom to be there for me during all of my big moments, but howsoever, the lady has been instructed to sit down and mind her business. We see a flashback from the drive back video shoot last year where she was talking cash shit about uh chris's managerial skills or lack thereof and you know just going in having a real kiki with mia about it i love the you know behind the music style that we got footage of candace of getting carried carried for onset Onto a car. The the full outfit I loved. The Ariana Grande ponytail coming out of that Telfar hat. I loved it. It was a real moment. Are we doing cars in every one of Candace's music videos? That was just my question. It seems like we have a, a big car scene. There's a lot of mood lighting and some sort of classic car involved. I just need to know, is there? Is this part of the artistry? Is this part of the Candace the deep space experience? I just need to know because it seems to be A running theme in these videos so my next question is they put on the screen that there was a $25,000 budget given provided by the record label for this music video so you know we're not out in the parking lot at this point we're on set we we got the whole thing going we got a whole crew of people and professional cameras etc Trina agrees to be in this video so how much did Trina make to appear in this video? Did she just do it for she had to have done it for free, right? How is your budget 25,000 but you have Trina in the video? Woah, what is her appearance fee? Trina, know your worth, girl. Know your worth. Now granted, and no shade to the baddest bitch. No shade to the diamond princess. It seemed like most of her moves in the music video was just, I'm going to look down and then look back up and then look down. And then maybe I'll like, you know, run a finger through my ponytail as well. It, you know, it wasn't much. I'm just saying, I, I just feel like in terms of her legend status, I think she deserves uh, 25 seems like what you would give Trina for, for this one scene, right? I just don't understand. But anyway, the video looked great. It looked really cute. The little scene that we saw looked super cute. And Candace says, hey, I want to be considered an actual musician. I don't want to just be considered uh, another housewife making a beat. You know? I, I, wanna, I want it to be real. So I'm here for it. You know, I, I think we should all agree. Listen to one song if you haven't. And just be like, you know, go on to go onto Spotify or whatever. Check out Deep Space and be like, yeah, this is like an actual song. This is certainly no on display. And we can say that for sure. is for sure a more elevated experience in Simon Van Kempen's I'm Real. Do you remember the, yeah, look that up. That'll be a throwback for you. <laughs> so then we head back to Robin's house. I swear, I thought I saw under the wand, it said Robin's fiance question mark. It didn't. But that's just what I thought I saw. My my eyes were playing tricks on me. So Robin tries to broach the topic of, uh, you know, the prenup, right? And and getting married in general by saying, oh, um, Giselle was asking me when we were getting married. Isn't that crazy? And I was like, didn't have an answer for her. That's wild, right? I hate what Juan said. I hate it. Juan says, well, just basically let me know what the date is i already told you robin like this is all about you this is your thing i hate that they do agree that they want the kids involved and he did he was like now that we're on the same page about but bro this is now your second wedding do you want to marry her or not you know, like I understand that these guys are like, Oh, that's a woman's job to plan the wedding, but this is your second time around, y'all are older, seemingly you guys are making more of a conscious choice to be together, and you've got a family now. It seems like you would want to be involved in that. Seems like you should want to at least be like, This is your day and this is your moment. Like she's not twenty. You know, you know what I mean? Like I, I would feel really insulted by that if I were Robin, but you know and probably be insulted by a lot of things that Juan does. Robin doesn't seem to be. So then Robin, in another very roundabout way, says, "Oh, you know, I went to the lawyer, and um it came up. The question was posed, rather, about an infidelity clause. Like the question was posed by you, Robin. That lady didn't say anything about an infidelity clause. Juan Dixon. Has the audacity to mumble under his breath. I don't think that's going to be an issue. One, isn't that the whole reason why y'all got divorced in the first place? Because that was an issue. And quiet as the cap the streets. Stay talking about you. Having girlfriends and being very open about the fact that you and Robin are doing whatever you're doing. But it doesn't really affect your ability to be dating other people. So, allegedly allegedly. So that's not going to be an issue. mm Not when, how many seasons ago you were caught on a hot mic talking to a producer about how the only reason why you're with Robin is because of the kids. That's the only connection that you guys have. It's that's an issue, my guy. He tries to justify it by being like, oh, how long have I known you since we were 16, 17 years old? But again, bro, that didn't stop you then. Why would it stop you now? It, it, bro, bro. Okay, good, good, not. Robin says, you know, you hear all these horror stories. I'm like, yeah, your own. American Horror Story Dixon. <laughs> and then Juan says, well, we're not these kind of people. But then Robin says in a confessional that the first time they got divorced, Juan had a girlfriend at times things got really contentious but ultimately the reason why it wasn't dramatic is because they ain't have no money left and she can't imagine what it would have been like had there been actual money involved that they had to divide so I mean fair and like y'all are too old to be Pussy popping around these subjects. Like, y'all need to really have a conversation. I'm hoping this is just for television and that real conversations are being had behind the scenes. But, like, what we see is real concerning. Because, like, this is a conversation... Yeah, like, you shouldn't be marrying anybody who you're talking to like this. But, like, if you are, you should be half of y'all's age. You know? Because then there's a reason. But you've been through the fire with this man. He's been... By your side, in your life, for over half of your life, you know him. You know him. And yet you still can't have these transparent conversations about your relationship. Eh. So then Robin tells Juan, you know, I'm not going to put anything in that, you know, prenup. I'm not going to put anything crazy in there. And he goes, no, I don't know that. (laughs) What are we doing, guys? (laughs) Let's really think about this. I know they got that marriage license not too long ago and you only have so long to sit on that. I f- have a feeling we're going to get some sort of new year's announcement. That that's my vibe. Or like Christmas, they're going to do something like that. They're like, Oh, we went to the Bahamas and we got married. I'm, you know, in just the four of us. And that's like, that's cute for y'all. But I really, I hope that they've had some actual conversations moving on. After that, we see Wendy. She has recovered from not one, but two surgeries that she's had to have in the past week looking better than I do on my best try on my best day (laughs) she got the Chanel earrings the little cute little jumpsuit oh she looked so so cute and her mom's trying to help her just doing the very mom thing you know I love like you know I you know as I'm getting older my mom's getting older and I have to embrace the fact that like sometimes she annoys the shit out of me and that's love And that's really love. So when I'm watching Wendy's mom ask her if she wants a pork chop and a glass of red wine after she's straight out of surgery, (laughs) you got to cherish those moments, you know? Then they have a conversation about how they've gotten into a cycle of working too hard. Wendy's mom was working too hard. She just went to the hospital. They told her, you need to, you know, chill out. You don't have any real health issues, but you're stressing yourself out. You're running yourself too thin and you need to calm down. Same thing that they told Wendy. Wendy's been avoiding pushing this baby of a kidney stone out of her because waiting till the next speaking engagement, the next this, the next that. And then here she is in the hospital five o'clock in the morning and how she's got Cameron and she doesn't want Cameron to continue the cycle of working too hard, working herself to the bone. Now I noticed this is no shade to Cameron that um, little cam cam as cute as she is was trying to help mommy uh, have some chicken noodle soup and then end up aiding that whole bowl by herself. And I just feel like, you know, for what it's worth, Cameron seems like she's looking for a softer life. And God bless her for it. Me too. Then Wendy's mom makes a big shift about how part of her leaning into relaxing more is that she wants new boob. Okay? She's that I want new boob and you're paying for it. And I want it now. You, your sister, your brother sucked me dry. And I, I'm not taking it anymore. Wendy shuts that down. Right, She's like, I'm not worried about your breasts right now, Ram. Like I'm working off this <laughs> milk of amnesia. We'll talk about it later or never. And then Karen goes over to Mia's house and she tells her, I told you that I was always going to keep it transparent with you. So I just want to let you know that Giselle was all too happy to tell me about y'all uh, being in the shower. You and Jacqueline taking a shower together. So she goes, okay, so do you and Jacqueline showered together? That's like something you enjoy? And Mia kind of squints at her and she goes, "I, sure, I guess. (laughs) Then Mia says, in the interest of full transparency, she and Jacqueline have done weird promiscuous stuff when they were kids. And Karen says, okay, so you were lovers? Mia goes, no. Did you kiss? No. Was there fondling? Yeah, a little bit you know, I thought I might be a gynecologist one day, so I did a little check of a cervix and, you know, I put a flashlight down there. What? How old were you? 19 or 20? Okay. All right, well. She's like, okay, well, Giselle also told me that you and G like to have sex with other people or something. And Mia's like, yeah, absolutely. Karen says, was one of those people Peter? And now he said it. Lemia says, "I was actually Peter's girlfriend. Karen, okay, I get it. Because when we were in Miami and Wendy was saying, oh, you guys fuck Peter, something about that felt real personal. And now it's making a whole lot of sense. So we determined that not only did... G and Mia hook up with Peter's girlfriend. They were actually with her first. And so Karen says, okay, gotta go. I've, I have work to do or something. Bye. <laughs> Finally, it's time for the Reasonably Shady live show. Ashley shows up. Sharice also happens to be there. Karen and Ray show up. And there's a step and repeat with Giselle and Robin's faces on it, right? from their uh, podcast logo and Karen says to Ray, take a picture of me in front of this one because Giselle won't take a picture with me otherwise. And two, uh, I want to prove to everybody that I was actually supporting her. So then they get into the venue, they sit down in their seats and Karen goes, um, Ray, the seats are empty. Ray goes, well, let's give them a minute. She's like, it's the show's going to start in nine minutes. What's going on? <laughs> so then she goes, you know what? Since Robin wants to record everything, I'm going to pull my phone out too and record this. And she just pans to the empty, empty seats. God bless. God bless. So earlier when they were doing the walkthrough, they mentioned how they had sold like 120 VIP sa- seats and tickets rather. They were going to be sitting in the first four rows. And I felt like we maybe got... Um, Seven rows and it was sparse. So Karen says in a confessional, honestly, this is like a pretty good deal for those who got the VIP seats because you got like five or 10 seats for every ticket that you bought. Very comfortable. Real good. Now, at one point, Karen asks Ashley if Candace was planning on coming. And so we hear from Candace in a confessional who says, The reason why I'm not coming is because Giselle doesn't deserve any support of any kind. So that's it. Bye, Candace. <laughs> The comedian announces, ladies and gentlemen, Robin Bryant. And then everybody's like, bro, are you fucking serious? And then he has to joke his way out of it by saying that he had a girlfriend named Robin Bryant. And that's why he got confused. So Karen pulls out a full notebook and pen and says, you know what? I've got some notes for my own show. Um, First of all, no drunk hosts. Secondly, uh, have them remember your name. Juan goes up for his segment, and the question is, is it reasonable or is it shady for the early riser in your uh, couple, in your partnership, to uh, get out the mini vacuum while you're sleeping? And Juan has to ask the question, uh, is it, what are we defining early rising as? Is it 630 or is it 11? Robin, how about that? Now, you walked your your... Sleepy ass right into that one, Robin.
1: What? Girl.
0: at one point Robin's mic doesn't work that's another uh, note for Karen's show there's a whole segment in which Ashley and audience participants have to do a series of TikTok dances which seem to take up a long time it seemed like Giselle thought that all of the dances were the same dance just a lot of uh, arm arm movements, a lot of like running, running in place seem to be happening with Giselle. Um, so that would be it. number four. No dances, no boring dances. They get to the audience question portion, and of course, Robin, did you not consider that somebody was going to ask you when the hell are you getting married? And she has to sit there looking dumb and being like, "Oh, well, stay tuned." <laughs> yeah, well, I guess we all will be. <laughs> <laughs> Karen okay, says in a confessional, that was a great question. We've all been waiting seven years, not just me, all of us. Now, even though that place was definitely, definitively, sparsely attended, Robin says that they banked fourteen grand. They profited fourteen thousand dollars off of that show. How much were those tickets? Merch? Were they making money off of like drinks and beverages, a concession stand? They must have been. Good for them. I mean, listen, actually, maybe I'm changing my tune. If I could have a small amount of people go, it should actually be ideal for me. And still make a lick off of that. Actually, maybe I will do a live show. <laughs> so in our final scene, we have this showdown. Or this interrogation, really, from Giselle to Jacqueline. Jacqueline and her curl. I'm going to need Jacqueline, much like Robin Brown from Sister Wives, to find a different way to curl comb it out, finger our way through it, through the hair. The tightest curls, girl. And what are we doing? She looks like fucking Nellie from Home on the Prairie, Little House on the Prairie. I shouldn't even know that reference. And yet the resemblance is uncanny. So Giselle has Jacqueline sit down. Charisse is, uh, you know, over their shoulders, trying to pay attention and get a word in edgewise as she's been doing all season. So Giselle says... You know, what tripped me up, Jacqueline, is I had this conversation with Mia, and Mia says, if I'm winning, you're winning, and if you have a Porsche, you know, it like, if if Jacqueline's not riding around in a Porsche, then I'm not winning. So, did Mia buy your Porsche? You see what I mean about these leaps that Giselle takes? But of course, Cherise's Eeyore ass has to be like, yeah, well, I actually thought that she was implying that she bought your Porsche, too. And also, at first, like, What? And also, this is not your business. So, okay, if she bought the Porsche, then what does that mean? Like, what does that... Does that move the needle? Like, what does it matter to you? So Giselle then asks Jacqueline if she's ever been like, hey, pick me, when Mia was watching Gordon fuck some other woman. Like, let me tap in and be that other woman, right? Mia, or Giselle, Jacqueline, rather, excuse me, gets this Cheshire Cat grin on her face, and she goes, well... You'll have to ask Mia that because I don't spill that kind of tea. And this is why, like, people get weirded out because you make these weird suggestions, you guys. And I'm wondering, is this something that Mia and Jacqueline decided to do to kind of be like, oh, let's just always keep them guessing? Or I'm just confused all around, frankly. (laughs) So then we see a flashback of Mia talking about how really she likes to watch Gordon fuck. She likes to sit there in the corner... Pop open a bottle of champagne and she says it's like going to a concert versus watching a music video on television. (sighs) I'm really having to like compartmentalize and not actually visualize Gordon when she's talking about it and just consider me as husband as some amorphous being (laughs) that I can't picture because I don't need to know any of this about Gordon. I Not a thing. Not a single thing, not, not the imagery, not the thought that their imagery could emanate in my mind. None of it. Pass. So after this, all the ladies get together because Robin was talking to Mia by herself. So all the ladies are now together. Ashley comes in at some point and they talk, you know, the Porsche situation comes up again and Mia's response to, did you buy Jacqueline a Porsche is the Porsche is in her name, which again makes it very vague. And it seems like you did it, but Jacqueline says, no, I bought the Porsche with my own money. But just so you guys know, I think if Mia wanted to buy me a Porsche, she probably could. It's like, okay, well, that wasn't, nobody cares about that. Giselle says, actually, I thought that maybe this whole time Gordon was the one who bought you the the Porsche. And Mia says, why are we talking about Gordon's money? Gordon doesn't have any money. Oops did y'all see the way Robin Robin's sitting behind Mia at this point Robin looks right at the camera and just starts laughing <laughs> this is why Mia needs to shut her ass up because she was probably right about that and now that I'm thinking about now that I have to think about her sitting in the corner <laughs> um, she's probably like this is great for me right Like, then I don't have to do it And I just watch him do it with somebody else. Because there's no way she cares about having sex with Gordon. Like, you can't tell me that. She likes to watch because then she doesn't have to participate. Giselle then asks Mia about whether or not Gordon has fucked Jacqueline. And she's like, what? Giselle goes, well, Jacqueline told me to ask you. So then Mia says, well, Jacqueline and I need to compare notes. And Mia says in a confessional, just what I said. Giselle likes to get into everybody's business so that she doesn't have, you know, everyone's business but mine, so that she doesn't have to get into her own stuff. We don't have to open the book of Pastor Holy Whore again. So now we're talking about, you know, whether or not you guys are sister sisters. That's how she does it. So Jacqueline finally is like, I feel like this is not a conversation that we all need to be having together. But Cherie says, well, you know, if somebody asked me if I was sleeping with Juan Dixon, I would say absolutely not. And I was like, girl, you wouldn't have to. Nobody would ask that. Not even in the world of comparison would anybody think that that's possible. So Giselle decides to change the goalposts, move the goalposts again and say, well, if you'd like to watch, then why doesn't Jacqueline get to do it? And Jacqueline has to say, okay, for the record, I'm not attracted to Gordon. Not that anybody's asked me that, but, like, he's just really not my type. And so, Cherise goes, okay, but what if he was? Then would you want to have sex with him? And Mia, would you be okay with that? And Mia says, this is a strange question, which it is. So, Giselle says in a confessional, there's something strange to this. And how many showers do you have to take to get a car? It's like, girl, we already addressed the fact that Jacqueline see this is that messy shit that Giselle does that's not cool like it's kind of funny but it's not cool <laughs> and they need to stop giving her ammo because she will take it all the time every single time goofy goofy oh, okay let's move on to something oh my god what the f*** happened
1: oh my god And what happened what happened all
0: right guys we're gonna talk about salt lake city real quick i know i promised last week that i was just gonna hit some beats but this week i really am a because i'm trying to cruise into the holidays you know you feel me and also i feel like we're all having a collective uh fatigue with salt lake city so i think just to talk about the most important things is the best way to go about this Y'all, doesn't it feel like we've been in San Diego? Like, we might as well just call this The Real Housewives of San Diego at this point. It's only on day three, and yet it feels like we've been there for months at this point. I, I Wow, wow. Um, Meredith and Jen are both stumbling around the house like zombies, like a thriller video, and Jen has this portable fan. It's like a whole moment. Um, then we get the text from Heather. She's in her casita. First, she texts Jen to come over. It's urgent. It's important, right? She shows Jen her eye. Jen's like, what the fuck? She gets up. Can I touch it? And she asked her what happened. And Heather's like, I don't know. So then Jen notices all these like red marks. looking like scratches all up and down Heather's arm, her right arm, right? And they're trying to figure out... Is that lipstick? No, there's are scratches. No, I think it might be lipstick. Heather's already trying to cover for something. So she says, I don't want to get anybody in trouble. So that's why I need you to help me figure out what happened last night. So Jen says, okay, bet. Like, I'm picking up what you're putting down right now. What about we just tell people that your eye is a deep purple because a spider got into it and laid eggs? Heather says, why would you have to say that? Like, why do we have to... I'm trying to help a situation here. And now I'm thinking about a spider's leg and eggs in my eye. So then Heather says, we need need a good cover story because I don't want any of the ladies to get in trouble. So they just both agree, we don't know what happened. Total amnesia. So then Heather texts Meredith. She comes over. They show her uh, Heather's eye. And she goes, is it obvious? Bitch, are you serious? It looks like Grimace, the big purple thing from McDonald's, is trying to birth himself outside of Heather's, like, through her eyelid. Is it obvious? What are you talking about? Meredith is horrified. We get a flashback of what happened in the casita. Who was in and out? Like we saw last week, 450, 4.50. Not only does Jen come over, but it's also Meredith and Angie K. They're kicking it in the casita, having a good time. She leaves, or they all leave. She lets them out. And that's all we see after that. So Meredith is like starting to notice the scratches too. She's like, do you have scratches on your back? What happened? Did you fall or something? And Heather starts whispering, I don't want to talk about it. So Meredith is like, okay, this really seeming like Heather was physically battered. What the hell's going on? But Heather maintains, I don't recall. I don't know what happened. So then Lisa and Whitney are still forging their relationship. Lisa goes over to Whitney's. I love that she was using a Trixie Mattel cosmetics uh, uh, mirror to put her makeup on. And... So Whitney's like trying to have a heart to heart with Lisa. And this situation keeps happening with Lisa over the season. Like people keep talking about her in a negative way around her. Like that conversation when everybody's like, yeah, I remember when everybody was saying that Lisa was busting it wide open for Utah jazz tickets. Remember that? And everybody was saying she was a whore. And she was a slut. And she was cheating on her husband. And Lisa had to be like, I'm here. I'm I'm listening to it. We all know the story. We don't have to keep repeating it. Like, we got it. I don't love it. And I think we all know at this point. Thank you. (laughs) So Whitney says, you know how everybody feels like you're the puppet master? And Lisa has to be like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah, that's funny. Mm -hmm. I I do know that. So Whitney's like, you know, I feel like actually Heather's trying to be the puppet master. I feel like she's doing all these dirty, dastardly deeds behind the scenes. And Whitney says, she turns the subject to Meredith. She's like, I honestly feel like Meredith tries to trick me she tries to trick everybody by alluding to something and then having somebody else pick up that bone deliver the message to whoever it needs to be delivered to and then Meredith gets to keep her hands clean now Lisa's getting activated because Whitney is activating her about Meredith and saying you know I just feel like Meredith is relentless if she she's not happy Unless I'm going to be in the corner trying to end it all. Like, it's nothing's enough for her. So essentially, these are our two main storylines for the episode. What the fuck, Heather? Like, I feel like we all kind of feel this way. Allegedly, it seems very much like Jen did this. And Heather doesn't want to talk about it. I think Whitney got that completely correct. She's like, listen, they have a very toxic relationship. They drink a lot. They were together that night. Um, Maybe something happened and they just decided, hey, for the sake of the fact that you have a trial coming up, Jen, you don't need to be looking any worse in the eyes of uh, public opinion, the court of public opinion, and then the actual court of the state Uh, Southern district of New York. So I'm just going to keep my mouth shut because when she's having this conversation with Jen initially, after she texts her and comes over, why is she like, we collectively need to come up with a plan to throw people off the scent here. Why does she like, why would she need to be in it? You feel like I kind of feel like if somebody came up to me with a bruise, like my best friend, And was like, we need to figure out how to do it. Why? Because if I didn't do it, why am I just like all in on this plan? I would need to know what happened to you, ma'am. What happened? So then all the ladies are getting ready to go out for the day. Heather comes with another set of Elton John sized sunglasses and shows what happened to her face to who's there Angie K, Dana, Whitney and Lisa. They're all horrified. All of them are horrified cuz Lisa made mention earlier about the fact that she almost died. She had a near death experience because Jen came into her room, titties out and almost choked her. Choked the life out of her and the Diet Coke and Whitney's like, but wait, I heard a lot of commotion last night, but how come nobody almost killed me with their titties? And so at that point, Heather says, I think we all know what happened. And they're all looking at her like, what are you talking about? So she takes her sunglasses off and they're like, what is going on? Everybody's confused. So in a confessional, a producer asks Heather, how do you explain this? And Heather goes, what does it look like? I'm just going to shut down and I don't want to talk about it. So then she tells him, I don't know what happened. Like she's saying this to Lisa and Whitney. And Lisa brings up a great point of, do you have amnesia? Because 15 seconds ago, you just said to all of us, we all know what happened. And now you're saying, you don't know how this happened. (laughs) Can't be both, girl. Whitney is perturbed. I think that's really the only word for it. And she's like, I... Don't get this. I'm very weirded out by this whole situation for Heather to be sitting here and laughing and making it pretty obvious that she, that somebody hit her. Like she's really alluding to the fact that somebody hit her. It's making me physically sick because either somebody hit you and you're covering for them or you did this to yourself and you want to act like somebody abused you. Both of those are pretty fucked up. Whitney's so aggravated by the concept of this in the confessional she's like that's not funny heather if somebody did this to her in this group that's not okay (laughs) the ladies go on the something called a go-car um and i did think it was funny that heather decides to pair up with lisa because they have to go to It's a two-seater. She's like, I'm going to get with Lisa because I know that all the rest of these bitches are going to ask me questions about what happened to my eye. But Lisa, she's going to talk about herself to the point where she's not even going to remember I'm there. I'm going to be great. And she was right. She was absolutely right. Lisa told an incredibly fascinating story. Are you guys ready about this? I I bought a dress and it was $800. And John asked me how much it was. And I said $800. And he said that it looked like it cost 80.
1: Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
0: Great. Thank you. I also love how much information we're getting about Lisa's childhood because the more she talks about it, the more and less sense it makes, if that makes sense. She says she does, uh roller skating with Whitney and Dana. And she says every weekend in sixth and seventh grade, she used to go roller skating. She was like the queen of the roller skating, <laughs> the skating rink, the did all the tricks. She's like having a great time. I mean, you could really see a 12 year old Lisa on those roller skates, having the time of her life. I don't get her. And yet I do. The rest of the ladies go for winery. Heather finally says it. Finally, can I get a meal that requires actual utensils? Everything we've been eating this season has been on a board, a little rolled up cheese and cold meat. Can I eat an actual hot meal, please? Meredith tries to pin Heather down about her eye again. She doesn't want to do it. Slippery, slick willy, right? Then she tries to get all, like, metaphoric and weird, mafia-style, cowboy-style in the confessional. It's like, I'm not going to spew my theories until everybody spews theirs. And that's the game in all of this. I can't say anything. It's like a game of Texas Hold'em and nobody's going to show their cards. What are you talking about, ma'am? What are you talking about? Heather goes on about how she would have normally called Whitney after her mysterious injury but she found out that they were on a friendship break so she had to call Meredith and Jen instead so Jen says you know then sorry then it goes back to Heather has this hang up about Lisa's friendship with Whitney or rather Whitney's attempt at a friendship with Lisa and I don't know why it bothers her so much but it's like maybe your slip is showing and it's giving hater." it really is and it's getting weird it's like okay she feels like Lisa's trying or excuse me rather Whitney is trying to throw Heather under the bus in order to be friends with Lisa which I don't feel I do feel like Whitney probably always wanted to be friends with Lisa but due to her loyalty with Heather she felt like she couldn't I do feel that way but I also feel like I don't know if that's exactly what's happening now i think whitney just feels like you're a bad friend to her and she's like well (laughs) i'm gonna use this opportunity to form a friendship with lisa i don't really think it's like as sinister as heather is trying to make it out to be but jen decides to get real messy she's like well i feel like maybe lisa and whitney are friends or they're forming a friendship and a bond because they're both going through things right now you know justin lost his job and Lisa has that SEC filing against her. <laughs> okay. Okay. I guess. I mean, you also have some things going. Never mind. So Jen goes in on Lisa. She's like, you purported yourself to be the richest bitch in this whole group. So, why are you filing for some $25,000 crowdfunding grant? because when you file for that kind of stuff you have to disclose all your shit which you know i i could understand why jen would know that that's maybe not the best idea because the gag is i'm sure like quiet as kept. jen probably tried to do this with her own thing and then she was like <laughs> let me make a u-turn because i'm gonna have to be honest on these filings and i can't do that can i Lisa finds out everybody's been talking about this filing because Dana decides to tell her that Meredith had mentioned this like a week ago or a few days ago. Lisa's pissed. She's like in a confessional. This is bullshit. Meredith is upset because of the hot mic moment. And now she's retaliating. She's trying to disparage my name, my business, my family. I'm sorry. My businesses aren't failing. They're thriving. So then Lisa explains that the filing wasn't about Vita It was about a different company that has like one outlet that they own that's nationwide. I don't know what the fuck she was talking about, but then she's like, listen, I can pull my receipts and, um, all of my POs and I would think that Miss Meredith Marks would probably have to sell a lot of jewelry to even hit one of the ones that I have. So top that. And then Lisa says, Meredith is always talking about how her family, her business, my man, my money, my mansion are all off limits, but Meredith just came for all of mine. So you know what? Maybe things aren't off limits anymore. You know what? Meredith said I had mental health issues. Okay. Oh my God. I'm not the one who pops pills, bitch. You are. <laughs> oh, and a uh, score. Uh, number two, two points. Up on the board for Miss Barlow. Meredith is still talking cash shit about Lisa in a sprinter on the way back to the house about how much work it is to file this particular filing and how she can't imagine this is some rich, rich people shade. I can't imagine having to do all that work at this point unless I really had to. Like it just doesn't make sense to me. You know, you have to be really open about your financial situation too. Gosh, it's just like a lot of work. Unless you really, really need that money, it seems like not even worth it. Like, 25000 is nothing to me, but Lisa must have desperately needed it. <laughs> but then Meredith does her classic shit, and this is, I feel like, the stuff why people don't like her, is that Angie asks Meredith, okay, Lisa, maybe, or Meredith, do you feel comfortable talking to Lisa, maybe one-on-one about this filing? And Meredith's like, oh, I don't care. <laughs> like, I have no skin in this game. I just, just, we were just chatting. All right, let me wrap this up real quick. Okay, so Angie K, when they get back to the house, ends up telling Lisa what everybody was talking about with regard to her money. So now Lisa's really pissed off. Also, this is a, they're having a Greek goddess themed dinner and everybody seems like already knew, like drag race rules, that they were supposed to come prepared with a costume. So everybody has one. Somehow, Heather manages to get herself an evil eye um, eye patch for herself. I believe they asked her how the hell she managed to do that in a matter of hours. And she said that Jen actually had packed an eye patch and that her team just happened to make one with an evil eye on it. Just whip one up for her. This is weird. (laughs) This is a very strange situation. But you know what? Heather knew to just be like, oh, Jen had it packed in her luggage. Because they're like, yeah, that makes sense. It it does seem like Jen would just pack an eye patch just in case. And also, apparently, beads. Enough beads to make an evil eye. (laughs) How did they do that? Anyway, Angie Kay gets the quote of the episode by saying in a confessional that Heather and Meredith have both experienced Jen's toxic behavior, but now they're supporting it. She goes... We know Meredith loves her feathers. Birds of a feather flock together, but not they're not pretty birds. They're seagulls. And everybody hates seagulls because they shit on people. Also, Lisa said she was dressed up like Helen of Troy. <laughs> but was it like, I don't know what they call that print, but you know it's like typically what they made for those old Chanel suits. Like that print in a two-piece tube top with, um, bell-bottom pants babe when did Helen of Troy wear bell-bottom pants in 1332 what, what's happening <laughs> and Heather says w- did she google Brittany and Justin at the Grammys on her way to google Helen of Troy like what happened I love that Lisa gets away with doing whatever the hell she wants especially with regard to her wardrobe because she just acts like this is what I'm doing no i'm I'm selling it. This is the costume, but it's not, and she knows it's not. <laughs> and she gives all the girls evil eye necklaces and tells them that if she doesn't see them wearing it, she'll unfollow them on Instagram. <laughs> My God, Winnie decides to break the ice by asking who filed the s e c or who talked about it, who brought it up, right? And Lisa tries to call out Meredith, but Meredith's like, I just mentioned it in passing. And the only reason why everybody knows is because everybody was there for that singular conversation that I mentioned in passing days ago. And not also the conversation that we just had, like two hours ago in the sprinter. Not that. And not also the one before that. But it's okay. I'm just in passing. Lisa really starts to get pissed off. <laughs> and Heather notices it when she gets to the table. She's like something weird's happening. I could tell Lisa's pissed. I just hope that I can see everything with this one eye I have because it's going to be good I can tell so she was right it was good she starts imitating Meredith somehow too, I guess in her mind Meredith has an English accent she's like oh darling you going to talk about my husband who doesn't have a job how about that you know <laughs> so they're going back and forth and finally Lisa looks over to Angie for backup like hey you're going to talk about this filing right so Heather goes oh Angie so you're telling me that you ran to Lisa right after we got off that sprinter to talk about what we said on that van real cool Angie thank you and then Heather says in a confessional Angie you're a dummy you're clearly you're trying to endear yourself to Lisa but why would you bring up some embarrassing shit she doesn't want to talk about that act like you didn't hear anything girl at some point, Meredith really starts getting activated about how Lisa is pointing her finger right at Lisa. You affected Seth's 4,000 employees when you talked about him not having a job. <laughs> it's like, I, okay, I think, mm, I don't know about all that, girl. In what way? How? How would saying Seth doesn't have a job be like, let's just close up shop here right now? Everybody else is fired because this woman with just a bra on is screaming about how this man doesn't have a job. That doesn't even make sense, Meredith. Like, what? (laughs) Then Meredith gets mad at Lisa because Lisa claimed that Meredith was saying that she was mentally ill and how disgusting that is to make a claim like that. So we see the flashback in in which Meredith tells Lisa... If you feel like the way you're behaving right now is normal and you don't want to seek out help, then there's really nothing I can do for you, Lisa. But if you do want help, I'm going to be here for you. And Lisa goes, what kind of help do you think I need? She's like, I don't know. I don't purport myself to be a doctor. (laughs) I don't profess myself to be a doctor. So then Lisa starts to pull out her degree. And by her degree, I mean Meredith's degree on her. She's like, you're a lawyer, Le- Meredith. I know you understand what intent means and how it means everything. But Lisa's saying, I just did this one rant. It was just one thing and you're like nailing me to the cross like Jesus was because of it. And Meredith says in a confessional that it's actually been a multitude of things over the years. You guys were ready for this list? First of all, um, Lisa's been talking behind her back. Secondly, she did not call her as Meredith's father was dying and she knew it. And third, the most egregious seemingly of all, because she went into great detail. Lisa canceled Meredith's makeup artist for her at the 11th hour in the middle of a global pandemic. She had no other options. Do you know how awful that is? She actually says... That's absurd. Who does that? <laughs> okay. This is now the second time that somebody has claimed that Lisa has canceled a service for them behind their back. First was Angie H. with the, the caterers at that party she had. And now Meredith with this glam person. Okay. Very strange. This the power she has. So essentially, the episode ends back with Heather. The producers are trying to get anything out of Heather that they can regarding her eye. And a producer makes mention of, oh, Heather, you're saying that you don't remember what happened. She goes, I didn't say that. I didn't say that I don't remember at all. I never said that. It's just like the first World Fight Club. You just don't talk about it. So then Heather tells the ladies... listen my advice to you is if you get a knock in the middle of the night at your door just don't answer it (laughs) and she says she doesn't know what happened so producer asks heather who are you protecting and she says myself i'm protecting myself i mean girl i think we'll just say jen did it i mean we're gonna find out well you know what i bet we're gonna find out at that reunion aren't we because jen wasn't there since they pulled her invitation, I guess we'll find out. Oh my gosh, you guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys have a happy Hanukkah, have a happy Christmas, a happy holidays, or just a great weekend, a Monday off, a Friday off, hopefully both. And, um, you know, I'll check in with you Monday with a very special episode. I hope you tune in. It's going to be a two-parter. It's going to be this upcoming Monday and the next Monday gonna be a fun one you guys thank you guys so much for listening thank me for speaking